energy. The guy told me I was no spring chicken anymore, and that's why my ankle was still hurting. I'm 33, not 133. The passion. The Red Sox handling of Xander Bogarts is a complete organizational failure. The opinions on all your favorite teams. No, not this year, but it's next year where Bill Belichick ends up on the hot seat. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEB AM, FM, and WDEBradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Happy pre-Super Bowl Friday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Shorter show today. We're up just until 6.30, so we're on for an hour, and then we send it on over to Norwich Hockey, a huge matchup between the Cadets and Hobart. Norwich could come out of this weekend as the number one seed in the New England Hockey Conference Tournament. They could get all of their home games at Kreitzberg Arena throughout the tournament. So this would, you know, coming out of this in first place would absolutely help you in terms of seeding for the NCAA Tournament, would help you potentially win your conference. Huge matchup that has broad implications here. So, uh, by the way, Craig Durham, our broadcaster for Norwich Hockey, is going to maybe join me just for the last three or four minutes of the show, kind of give me the preview before the preview. But until then, we'll get the skinny on the Super Bowl. Super Bowl gambling stuff with Cam Rogers, our friend over at the Believe Podcast Network. He's their gambling guru. So some uh, you know, stuff on the line, the money line, maybe some fun prop bets. We'll see what Cam thinks about that. You can get in. On the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. That's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also watch the show every day, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and my Twitter account as well. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Right off the bat, Super Bowl Sunday is Sunday. Is there a buzz to this game? Are you excited for Chiefs and Eagles? Does this matchup intrigue you? We haven't really talked a lot about the ins and outs of this matchup. We haven't gotten into the nitty-gritty. That's something I've always done before in Super Bowl matchups. So is that just a product of, you know, at me saying, hey, the Pats aren't in it, so we're not going to go knee-deep into it? Or does that reflect that this game just doesn't have that much interest around it? 802-585-3026, does this game have a buzz for you are you excited for this particular matchup 802-585-3026 for me this game does not have the same buzz when it comes to planning this show i am excited for the super bowl texter says i could not care less now i'm excited for the game right i love football i love the super bowl I've invested myself in this for 30 weeks in a row. It's time to see it culminate. So I am excited for the Super Bowl. Of course I'm going to watch. And there are storylines to it. But I'm more excited about this game as a general fan than I have been as a sports radio host. 
I haven't I haven't felt that this game has had enough oomph for me to really be talking about a lot this week. We talked with Ross Tucker on Monday. We had Joe Valerio, the former Chiefs lineman, on Wednesday. But beyond that, I haven't felt like we've really needed to go knee-deep into matchups and, you know, X-factors, etc. And I've always done that stuff when it comes to the Super Bowl. I am excited for the game. I do think it's a compelling matchup, and there are storylines. But to me, it's more interesting as a general fan and less interesting to talk about for 90 minutes on end. And most other stations around the country are talking about this matchup for 90 minutes straight, for two hours straight, for three hours straight. I don't, I, I just haven't felt that level of buzz about it. Right? I haven't felt that level of buzz. And I have felt that level of buzz in the last several Super Bowls. Like, let's go back. 2018, the season, 2019, the year. Patriots are in the Super Bowl against the Rams, right? So that's a Patriots Super Bowl. Of course, we're all into that. The next year, 2019 the season, 2020 the year, that was Chiefs 49ers. There were a ton of storylines in there that I really cared about as a sports radio host, and I would have cared about if I were you, the listener, right? 49ers are in the Super Bowl. Hey, should they have kept, should the Pats have kept Jimmy G? Is Jimmy G going to be better than Brady? Should they have given him the long-term contract? Did they trade the wrong guy, et cetera? That was a storyline we did then. Chiefs are in it. Hey, is Mahomes set to take over the AFC? Are the Patriots done? There was that intrigue. The next year is the COVID year, and Brady's in the Super Bowl. So, of course, there's all of that. Then, last year, you had a buzz to it, right? Matt Stafford's there, the home team in L.A. Joe Burrow's swaggy now, and he's cool. And are the Bengals coming up? Coming, into the AFC picture, and if they displaced the Pats and McVay, all of the, I just have loudmouthed Jalen Ramsey. I've just felt like this Super Bowl week hasn't provided me a lot of drama and a lot of excitement. I'm ready for it because I watch the Super Bowl every year and because I love football. But in terms of running through all the X's and O's, I just I haven't felt the itch to do that. I haven't felt the itch to do that, and I'm curious if I'm the only one who's kind of feeling that way. 802-585-3026. I guess as we get to the back of the week now, there is one storyline that is starting to stick out to me. There is one thing that I'm kind of latching on to here at the end of the week, and it's the idea of who needs this Super Bowl more. Is it Jalen Hurts? Or is it Patrick Mahomes? And that's the question I ask you. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Which quarterback needs this Super Bowl more, Hurts or Mahomes? And it's an interesting discussion and an interesting debate. I think the Eagles are under more pressure from a team perspective to win this game. I said that earlier in the week, and I mean it still now. I think the Eagles are in a more pressure situation from a team perspective. But individually, I think Mahomes needs this game more than Hurts does. And those two thoughts might seem counterintuitive to each other, but that's how I feel. The Eagles have more pressure as a team. Mahomes has more pressure as an individual player. Text says, local coverage doesn't usually include the Eagles as often as New England teams. I wish I had seen their quarterback in action more. Mahomes is on TV more. So, 
all the time people will expect him to win maybe as a result i will be watching the two quarterbacks battle it out well look it's it's not so much that the local tv stations are choosing not to choose the eagles it's that the local tv stage you know fox shows the giants given you know the proximity to new york given the fan base here the giants used to have training camp in colchester so the giants are kind of the nfc team that we get a lot on fox it's not the eagles a lot but we do we still see the eagles a lot we do still see the i feel like i see the eagles all the time they're on thursday night they're on monday night they're on sunday night they play the giants twice i feel like i see them against washington i see them against dallas i feel like i see the eagles quite a bit actually back to the question at hand though from a team perspective, the Eagles have more pressure on them than Kansas City. One, it, the main reason, I don't have as much faith in Philly to get back to the Super Bowl as I do in Kansas City. The Eagles right now are kind of in an unbelievable confluence of circumstances that have got them here. They have all 22 starters healthy. When does that ever happen in an NFL season? When you have that, you have to capitalize because you will never get that again. So I can't just sit here and say, off oh, the Eagles lose, they'll be back next year because this Eagles team will never be this healthy this late in the season. So that right there is a reason to win it now. Eagles play in a division that's up and coming, right? Giants are getting better. Dallas is good. You know, you might not think they're Super Bowl good, but they're good for the division. And Washington is Washington, but the division, this division got three playoff teams in it this year. Do I have, do I necessarily know that Philly can go run through that division again next year? No, I don't. You have to capitalize now while you are here. The Eagles have six key starters that are free agents. They have eight to ten guys that really contribute that are free agents. So there's absolutely no guarantee that this same group of guys is together again next year. Like when you have this, you got to win it, right? You got all these guys that are older. You got all these guys that are going to be free agents. So that's a lot of which are going to be gone next year. You were able to win the division this year when it's not a given, you can do it next year. And the biggest reason the Eagles are under team pressure is they're nearing the end of the rookie quarterback contract window we always talk about. Jalen Hurts, next year, is the last year that he's on the cheap rookie quarterback contract. That's it. Like, you're getting close to having to pay him $35, $45, $50 million. And once you do that, the ability to give him what he's got now around him goes away. So you better win it now. Because all this other stuff is going to be working against you soon. You've got all the free agents. Quarterback contract is looming. Your division's good. Look at the age of these players the Eagles relied on. Fletcher Cox is 32. Robert Quinn, 32. Brandon Graham, 34. Jason Kelsey, 35. James Bradbury's about to be 30 at defensive back. Indomitian Sue is 36. Linval Joseph, who they signed. This team can't bring everybody back given those ages and given those dollar figures. It is going to be harder. When you have the chance, you've got to win it now. You have the chance, you've got to win it now. I think I have more faith in Kansas City to get back here. I know how good the AFC is. I know how good the AFC West could be, but they've got Mahomes. They've got Reed. They've got Kelsey. They've got experience. I think th they have done it 
with Tyreek Hill. They've done it without Tyreek Hill. They've done it with a defense. They've done it without a defense. I just think Kansas City is adaptable. I've seen them do it. I trust them more. So from a team perspective, this might be Philly's one shot. You got to win it when it is your one shot. As for the individual stuff, though, the individual quarterback stuff, Phil in Berlin says uh, Hertz needs it more. He needs to showcase the talent after his injury at that injured shoulder. He hasn't been 100%, and he needs to prove he's worth all the hype. I disagree. I don't think Jalen Hurts has a lot of individual pressure on him. He's going to get paid, right? He's proven that he's good already. Jalen Hurts has proven that he's good. He's going to get a lot of money. Whether he gets it from Philly or he gets it from somewhere else, he's going to get a ton of money after next season. He might even get it before next season, after this season, if Philly wants to keep him. So Jalen Hurts, to me, doesn't have a ton of pressure. He's going up. He's, you know, Yes, Philly's favored, but in the quarterback battle, he's the underdog, right? He's going up against the two-time MVP, the best player in the league. He's already proven that he's good. He's going to get paid. I think Jalen Hurts is kind of on easy street in this matchup. Mahomes is the guy with the pressure to me. He is the guy who's do, who's he's looking for his second Super Bowl. He's got legacy-type stuff on the line, right? He's got le- If Mahomes wins this game, Two MVPs, two Super Bowl titles, he's instantly, he's in the Hall of Fame. He might be in the Hall of Fame anyways, but this is legacy-defining stuff for Mahomes. Two MVPs, two Super Bowl victories, you are in the Hall of Fame. And if you're 2-1 and one in Super Bowls, that's a hell of a lot different than 1-2 and two because if he goes 1-2 and two in Super Bowls, then fair or unfair, he's going to start to get the Aaron Rodgers. Eh, he's only got one. Great individual talent, but what happens on the big stage? What happens in the big game? That's not fair, but that's what will happen if Patrick Mahomes loses this game. A win cements him in the Hall of Fame, cements his legacy. It gets the haters off your back. But if you lose this game, the haters are out saying, man, Aaron Rodgers only won one. Russell Wilson's only won one. Can they do it? And what happens at the big game? Can they get back? That's going to happen. That's going to happen. It shouldn't be, but it will. Now, Sal Palantonio, who covers the Eagles better than anybody, he also thinks Hurts needs it more, and I completely disagree with what he's saying here. I want to say Jalen Hurts needs it more because he gets benched in Alabama and you know doesn't get to lead his team to the championship the way he wanted to. He did not win the Heisman when there was a lot of people who thought he should have or could have. Mahomes has already won it. I'm going to say Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I I disagree with that. Bringing up Jalen Hurts' college stuff here, I mean, he just got he's gotten to the Super Bowl. That kind of overcomes the incompleteness of his college resume, right? Yes, he got benched at Alabama. Well, then he went to Oklahoma and was phenomenal. Okay, he didn't win the Heisman. Yeah, he might care about that individually, but nationally, nobody cares about that. Right, so whatever college failures you think Jalen Hurts has, they're irrelevant now as far as I'm concerned. So that, to me, means absolutely nothing. Mahomes is the guy who needs it because he's battling for legacy, perception, status, the ability to maybe get to the greatest of all time conversation. Like, that's all on the line for Mahomes. 
And if he loses it, you know, he's going to have hell to pay when it comes to the critics. I think Hertz is kind of on easy street here. He's going to get paid. The perception of him is that he's pretty good. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not buying it. It's the Brady Farkas Show here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. The game, obviously, is Sunday. You still have times to, uh, you know, make some friendly wagers with your buddies. Obviously, you can't do it yet in the state of Vermont legally, but you can do it with your buddies and have some fun. And, well, now I bring on my friend Cam Rogers, who can help us with that. Cam Rogers is the uh, Believe Podcast Network gambling guru. He's been on several notable outlets, including uh, CNN back in the day. So Cam Rogers, he's got his own podcast, I believe, as well. Cam, thank you for being with us. How are you? What's up, Brady? Good to be with you, sir. Happy Super Bowl Friday to you. Uh, yeah, happy Super Bowl Friday to you. You are actually on Radio Row there in Phoenix. How's the uh, how's the week been? I imagine your feet are tired. Yeah, my feet are tired. Getting my steps in. Need to do some yoga at some point and loosen up the hamstrings. But let me tell you, it's been pretty electric all week long. I mean, I call this, Brady, the Thanksgiving Eve of the sports media industry because everybody comes back together same time next year that's sort of vibe and it's so great to just see everybody again and right now i'm looking all around brady there is a serious buzz to radio row right now donovan McNabb is in the house hall of famers are in the house you know the drill so it's been a blast the uh, the first radio row i ever went to this is the story i tell i'll never forget that on one side of me was terrell owens joe montana richard sherman jim harbaugh and gronk i think or and uh yeah, and Gronk, all in, all in, all within earshot on any side of me. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it is, and it's funny. <laughs> I actually saw a parody on Twitter somewhere about like the typical radio row interview. Like somebody's pushing something, but the interviewer is like, "We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Let's talk about your season." And I don't know. You got to check it out. Tell your listeners to check it out. Uh, I- but it's a blast here. I had a blast with all of our Radio Row at Home interviews this week. I only I only took one interview, though, where somebody was pushing a product. That was the yeah. one thing this year I did was I only had one interview where somebody was pushing a product. I didn't want to hear about some, Toyota or Doritos or anywhere else. <laughs> I actually have a deodorant that I want to say on your <laughs> show and just introduce if that's cool. No. Uh, all right, let's talk about the game from a gambling perspective. As we talk right now, the Eagles are a point-and-a-half favorites, and the yeah. general consensus seems to be the Eagles are the better team, but people have a hard time picking against Mahomes. How does that impact your uh, your slant on this from a, uh, from a gaming perspective? Yeah, it's really interesting because you saw the Chiefs open up just as small favorites, then you saw a lot of sharp and public money, mostly sharp money, actually, go into the Eagles in the early going. Then you saw that line movement. It went to a pick and now it's whole held pretty steady at minus one and a half and honestly when you look at the spread it's just like honestly pick the team that you think is going to win go the money line let's not get cute with the spread because you don't want to lose out on a one point differential or something along those lines so i think it's a really interesting dichotomy of a complete football team in the philadelphia eagles and then a really good perhaps top two quarterback of all time and patrick mahomes and a team with deficiencies in the kansas city chiefs especially in the secondary and at wide receiver. And so there are some, some concerns there, but I think the Eagles are the better football team. My line would be about minus three and a half to be frank with you. So you would take the Eagles at minus one and a half and you would also do the month. So you do Eagles money line and Eagles spread. I would do Eagles money line, Eagles spread, but it sometimes can get risky when you do short spreads like that. 
and you're not really seeing that much of a difference in terms of the money that you have to put in to make something back. So I would just go money line, you know, if you're going casually betting here in this Chiefs Eagles game, because you don't want to lose out on that one point game, because that certainly can be the case between these two. These are two of the these are the top two NFL teams this year. Like we did not get any sort of volatile NFL playoffs, not too many upsets. These are the top two teams. So I would just go straight money line. But if you're asking me spread, I'm going Eagles minus one and a half. Cam Rogers, Believe Podcast Network. He's got his own podcast on Believe, and he's also been on other national outlets. You were on CNN. Huh? I was on CNN Headline News back in the day. You, when were you on CNN? <laughs> that was back in 2021, February. Not a great story to be on CNN, obviously, with the Tiger Woods crash that went down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they needed somebody to give perspective on how much he means to the game. And he is the game of golf, as we know. So that was my uh, crowning achievement so far and had a blast doing it. HLN, I didn't know that, Brady. Yeah, I was on. Uh, they brought me on to talk about bad youth sports stories, like when, uh, really? you know, parents attacked umpires and things like that. I was I was on uh, headline news multiple times talking about awful stories like that. It seems like they always want contributors when there's bad news to talk yeah. about. That's what I'm <laughs> gathering. Like, it's never anything good. <laughs> uh, Over-under. What do you like on the over-under play right here in the Super Bowl? Yeah, some notable trends here. Let's talk about the official, Carl Sheffers. He is Mr. Under in the playoffs when he is the official since 2010. The under is 10-1 and one in playoff games refereed by him. So keep that in mind. By the way, the favorites are 7-4 and four straight up. So... That all points to the Eagles and the under 51 and a half. And this number is ticking up. So if you like the under in this football game, wait, wait, wait for the public to pour in here on the over because it's, oh, my gosh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my gosh, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown. The public is going to go on the over this weekend, and you're going to see uh, that number tick up. So I like the under, and I like, obviously, the Eagles minus one and a half. But the under seems like a better bet, in my opinion, than the spread. I like betting the under when I bet, but it's always so nerve-wracking, Cam. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you sweat it out, right? Yeah. Um, and this totally could be a 34-31 to 31 game, but I just think that the way in which the Eagles control the line of scrimmage, control this football game, time of possession, and honestly, Brady, is Mahomes 100%. He's probably like 89, 90, something along those lines. Very specific number, but you know what I'm saying here. High ankle sprains are tough to get over in the span of just a few weeks. So I think that the under is the play and you really have to look at these referee trends, uh, especially in these singular playoff games. It matters. What do you, from a prop bet perspective, is there anything you find yourself liking here? Yeah, I really like the no touchback on the opening kickoff at plus 126. You're getting plus money there, and it's free money, Brady, and here's why. 18 out of the last 21 years, okay? There was a no touchback on the opening kickoff in the Super Bowl. Ray, uh, Pat McAfee gave us some insight into why that is the case. The opening kickoff at the Super Bowl, that ball goes to the Hall of Fame. You can't mess around with that ball before you kick it off. It is glass. It is hard. It's just not the same to what you're used to as a kicker. So it is harder to hit it farther. And then you mm. also throw in the fact that you don't want to take a knee in the opening kickoff in the Super Bowl. You want to be a hero, do something electric. So I think that 
that is a pretty good bet. Also, I like Dallas Goddard anytime touchdown. Everybody's going Travis Kelsey and, like, totally understand why, but you got to lay some juice there at minus 125. I like plus 175 with Dallas Goddard. The Chiefs struggled to defend the slot. Goddard will line up there a lot, and they were 31st, the Chiefs were, in touchdowns allowed to receivers in the slot. So I like that play. I don't have any of these in front of me, but my favorite bets are things like, What's, you know, higher number, Patrick Mahomes passing yards or, you know, Cavaliers, Wizards, Sunday night point total. Like, I, I love those bets. I have I don't have one in yeah. front of me, but those are my favorite ones to find. You know, the Gatorade one is a popular one. Yeah. That one you can actually do some research on because Nick Sirianni got some lime slash yellow Gatorade on him at the NFC Championship game. Doug Peterson got the lime slash green Gatorade when he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. So if you like the Eagles to win the football game, why not parlay mm. it, okay, with yellow-green at plus 400 for the Gatorade flavor? Patriots uh, against the Falcons, there was no Gatorade flavor, I found out today, presumably because it was a walk-off and ended in overtime. There was no time to get Bill Belichick with the Gatorade bath. Yeah, literally. I didn't even know that. I wonder if there are games out there where you just get nothing. Uh, there were two. I, I don't have it in front of me, but there were two in, like, the last 10 years that were no – no Gatorade. The uh, the Patriots and Falcons was the one, and I'm going to have now, once you get off the phone, I'm going to have to go back and find what the other one was. <laughs> but uh, the person who tweeted it out did not have a good answer as to why uh, there would have been none. So uh, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. I, I will find it for you and put it to you on Twitter. Uh, any other gambling tips you want to leave us with? Any other points of wisdom? This touchback one is fascinating. Yeah, so I like Jarek McKinnon under nine and a half yards as his longest rush. Minus 124 is the line since week 15. McKinnon has carried the rock 24 times, Brady, for 43 scoreless yards. That's not good. On the season, just five of his 88 carries, that's 5.7%, have resulted in a gain of 10 or more yards. Hammer that, please. Thank me later at the cash counter. By the way, just also want to let you know, Brady, and your listeners out there, betting is so big. Around 54% of the United States population will be placing real money on the Super Bowl. $16 billion will be getting poured in to this Super Bowl. Betting is huge right now. Well, we're certainly hoping it comes to the state of Vermont legally by next yes. Super Bowl. It's working through the legislature now. So the goal is next Super Bowl to have it legal in the state of Vermont. So, Cam, man, we appreciate it. Cam Rogers over at the, the Believe Podcast Network. You can check out his podcast there. Cam, give me the name again. I apologize. Are your podcast? No worries at all. Lock it in with Cam Lock Rogers. A lot of good, co- good, co- good content here this week. Clay Harbor, DJ Dallas. So really fun interviews. All right, very DJ Dallas, my Seahawks running back. Yes, so. he's great. <laughs> there you go. Cam, be well. We'll talk to you come golf season. Appreciate you, man. Take care, all right? Absolutely will do. Cam Rogers live there at Radio Row here on WDEV. A uh, couple things. I found what I was looking for while Cam was uh, talking there at the end. Uh, Super Bowl Gatorade baths. Yeah, Patriots-Falcons, there was no Gatorade bath because it was overtime. The Ravens' uh, John Harbaugh also did not get a Gatorade bath in 2013 when they beat the 49ers. So, there you go. I Look, I, I will. I am doing Super Bowl squares, but I'm not betting on the Super Bowl. I've done it before. No, I've never done it. I've never bet on the Super Bowl. I've done prop bet things. I love the prop bets. I'm not doing one this year. I am doing squares, but that touchback one is that's like who studies this stuff? 18 of the last 21 Super Bowls, the opening kickoff has not been a touchback. 
I mean, if I was going to, I would, I would, I would lay some money on that one. Um, this is the kind of stuff that I like. And I was telling Cam about now, this is in Canada. These are FanDuel in Canada. I just found them. Oh, here you go. Here's ones in America and DraftKings cross sport prop bets. <laughs> Look at the stuff you can get higher number. John Morant assists on Sunday or Travis Kelsey receptions. John Morant assists is the favorite. You could get uh, James Harden made threes, even money with Marquez Valdez Scantling total receptions. This is the stuff that I'm here for. Joel Embiid rebounds or Jalen Hurts rushing attempts. I think I would take Joel Embiid rebounds. But then, you know, foul trouble, hurt, blowout game, you know, who knows. Uh, Pascal Siakam total points against total first half points in the Super Bowl. That's the stuff that I'm doing. Will Rihanna show any of her butt in the halftime show? That's also one of them as well. Uh, I will abstain from that. Texter says, does Ken Squire know you're talking to a bookmaker? One, not a bookmaker just a gambling guy and two gambling is popular cam just told you how much money gets spent on it so i don't talk a lot of gambling but the friday before the, before the super bowl we're talking a little gambling today so that was fun 18 out of 21 last opening kickoffs not touchbacks fascinating thanks for the uh, heads up there pat mcafee it is the brady farkas show on wdev am and fm and wdevradio.com mike florio Pro Football Talk says Bill Belichick is going to end up on the hot seat. But when exactly is that going to happen? I'll tell you what Florio had to say. We'll do it next here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. 585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Norwich Hockey coming up 635 tonight. The cadets are in Hobart. They're in Geneva, New York, taking on the Statesman. A huge matchup between teams one and two in the New England Hockey Conference. The cadets right now are in second. Hobart is in first, but by the end of the weekend, See what happens for Norwich. They could end up in that top spot heading for the conference tournament. Tough weekend, though, with uh, Elmira coming up tomorrow as well. But uh, Craig Durham, will he'll, he'll just kind of do a little crosstalk with me right before we kick it over to him about 625 or so. You can always stream the full show version of our podcast every day on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All of our interviews are there as well. With our Radio Row coverage this week, uh, this has been one of our most successful listening weeks. So thank you to everybody on our podcast channel. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk was hanging out on Radio Row in Phoenix this week. And he said he thinks that Bill Belichick will be on the hot seat in 2024. My gut tells me two. My gut tells me that they need to turn things around this year or 2024 will be hot seat season. I feel like the Patriots are a team that will have a hard time maintaining a national fan base without winning, without contending. The Cowboys are the only team that can pull it off, and they've pulled it off for 30 years. So there's two interesting parts to that. One, Florio says that Belichick will be on the hot seat come 2024. And two, 
he says the Patriots can't maintain a national brand without winning and only the Cowboys can. So it's kind of two distinctly different thoughts there, but both are interesting. I'll just start with the Belichick stuff. I've been saying over and over again, and you hear it in the intro, and the intro is getting changed next week, but you hear it in the intro. I've been saying it over and over again that I thought Bill Belichick was going to end up on the hot seat in 2023. But I am going to agree with Florio, and I'm going to push back that time slot, that timeline rather, to 2024 as well. So I have been saying I think next year Belichick goes on the hot seat. I think he's got next year in the bag. 2024 is when it might happen. I'm going to agree with Florio. I'm going to amend my timeline. But Brady, you're flip-flopping. Nah, I just, I'm learning. I'm evolving. I'm, I'm more informed. Different things have happened. I think Bill Belichick has next year, no matter what, 2024 is when it starts to, when the heat starts to ratchet up. And there's two reasons why. One is the hiring of Bill O'Brien. And two, Belichick is close to breaking the all-time wins record held by Don Shula. Okay? Let, let's. Those are the two reasons why Belichick gets 2023 and the pressure doesn't start until 2024. For starters, Bill Belichick has hired Bill O'Brien. That's the guy that Robert Kraft wanted. Robert Kraft wanted an offensive coordinator. He wanted an experienced offensive coordinator, and he wanted Bill O'Brien specifically, and Bill Belichick did all of that. Generally, when you do what the owner asks, when you do what the owner wants, you get some leeway, you get some grace period. If this had been, nah, screw you, Robert. I'm going to bring back Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and do it my way. Then it would have been 2023. Well, Robert Kraft's like, look, big boy, you you wanted to do it your way. Well, your way's not working. You're out. If, that, if Bill Belichick had stuck with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, then that absolutely could have happened. In 2023, Bill Belichick could have been gone. I believe that. But now, Bill O'Brien's here. He's in the Patriots family. Robert Kraft wanted him. When you do what the owner wants, you tend to, to get yourself a little leeway. So I think that staves off Bill Belichick from any execution in 2023. And also, what is the biggest thing for the Patriots in 2023? It's the development of Mac Jones. It's getting Mac Jones good again. If Mac Jones is good as a result of Bill O'Brien – then Robert Kraft can sit here and say, okay, Belichick's still got a handle on this thing. I mean, they don't have to win the Super Bowl next year, I don't think, to save Belichick's job. If they go 10-7, and seven, but Mack looks like a real quarterback and makes real strides, then I think Robert Kraft looks at it and says, all right, we're good. Now we're moving into 2024, and that's when the pressure ramps up because that's when I'm expecting to win. So I think Florio has this thing down 100% now. And I changed my timeline in part because of the Bill O'Brien stuff. Right? You bring back Bill O'Brien. You do what Robert Kraft wants. You set yourself up in a good position for Mac Jones to be good and for 2024. And you end up there that year with some real expectations. And two, the other reason why Belichick is off the hot seat is he's 19 wins away from Don Shula's all-time wins record. He can get that in 2024 conceivably. And Robert Kraft wants that to happen, right? He doesn't want to fire Bill Belichick. 
three wins away or four wins away from the all-time wins record. He can't get it in 2023. So Kraft is going to give him every chance to get it in 2024. I mean, look, if they go, let's say they go nine and eight this year and win one playoff game. So Bill Belichick amasses 10 wins. Then he goes into 2024 and he needs nine away. Then, yeah, I believe so. So he's going to absolutely going to get the chance. Texter says it's already over. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it's already over means. You mean Bill Belichick's already over? Now Bill Belichick is here, and he's going to stay here through 2023, and he's going to get a chance to make the playoffs in 2024, and he's going to get a chance to break the wins record in 2024. I also found this interesting, though. Remember at the back end of Florio's comments. Can we go back to the back end? Because I thought this part was interesting as well. Winning without contending. The Cowboys are the only team that can pull it off. My and they pulled it off for 30 years. Nah, we got to go. Let's play the whole thing again. My gut tells me two. My gut tells me that they need to turn things around this year or 2024 will be hot seat season. I feel like the Patriots are a team that will have a hard time maintaining a national fan base without winning without contending the cowboys are the only team that can pull it off and they pulled it off for 30 years the patriots will have a hard time maintaining a national fan base without winning i mean that feels unfair to me because most teams can't maintain a national fan base without winning right look i I would say that the steelers right now aren't wildly popular they're not winning the 49ers were not wildly popular when they were not winning. They had a, The Niners had a stretch where they were horrible. I don't think they were nationally relevant. Denver's a legacy franchise. They're not winning right now. I don't think that – look, they were relevant with Tebow. They were relevant with Peyton. But beyond that, I don't think they've been that relevant lately at all. So most teams that don't win, even if they're legacy franchises, even if they're franchises with history of successes – most of them lose relevance if they're not winning. So I, I think I think that's an unfair shot at the Pats because everybody's in that. What does strike me, though, is important to note is that the Patriots right now are not nationally relevant in part because they don't have a star quarterback. They don't have a magnetic personality quarterback or a great skill set quarterback. Now, winning goes hand-in-hand hand with that in a lot of cases. But the Patriots don't have a dynamic quarterback. And when you don't have a dynamic quarterback, you will lose national relevance. Look, the Packers haven't won a Super Bowl in more than a decade. They are nationally relevant. Why? Interesting star quarterback. And if Aaron Rodgers leaves and they go to Jordan Love and they're bad, they won't be nationally relevant either until they're good again slash have a star quarterback. The Steelers, they were nationally relevant for a 15-year period with Ben Roethlisberger controversial star quarterback his one is Kenny Pickett that draw no is Mitch Trubisky that draw no was Mitch Trubisky a draw for the Bears no all these teams lose relevance when they're not winning and when they don't have a star at quarterback and the Patriots don't have a star at quarterback I mean look would you say the Bengals are a legacy franchise they've been around for a long time but why they they have a star quarterback right now Winning or not winning, Joe Burrow is an, is the it guy right now in the league. 
And the Bengals are incredibly relevant because of him. Right? The Bengals are incredibly relevant because of Joe Burrow. Patriots don't have that. Right? The Patriots don't have that. Seattle became relevant because they had Russell Wilson and a, and a great loudmouth defense. Patriots just don't have that. Like The 49ers had universal popularity with Montana and Young. They won a lot, but they had star quarterbacks. Those guys leave, they're not as good. They're not as profitable. They're not as marketable. So Florio says oh, they, they're going to lose their national fan base. Well, they're losing their national fan base in part because they don't have any magnetism to them. And part of the reason they're not winning is because they don't have a star quarterback. They go hand in hand. It's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Look, Michael Vick, though, was a star. He never won a Super Bowl. Michael Vick wasn't even always that good. But he was a star, and his teams were relevant, whether it be in Atlanta or Philly. Patriots don't have any... Don't, they don't have anything like that. Tom Brady, even when they had Cam, they were relevant, right? The Patriots were on national TV, I think, five times the year Cam was the starting quarterback because Cam was a star, and Cam made them relevant. Brady obviously did, but Cam did too. And the Pats don't have it. Now, that's fine, right? I would rather be really good than just have a star at quarterback, right? Like, I'd rather be really good than just have the Michael Vick quality at quarterback. But the Pats, they need a lot of help in 2023. Not a star at quarterback, no stars really on this roster. Judon is a great player, but they don't have any electric stars. Like, I'm watching the NFL honors last night, and I'm like, they don't have a Justin Jefferson. They don't have a Nick Bosa. They don't have a Jamar Chase. They don't have a George Kittle. They don't have a Joe Burrow, a Patrick. They don't have any, they don't have any star power on this team. That is why they're not nationally relevant. Because even if they were bad, but they had stars, they'd still be, like Vic, they'd still be relevant. So, I don't know, I thought that was a little unnecessary by Florio to say, oh, if they don't win, they're not going to have their national fan base. Yeah, most teams that don't win don't have a national fan base. What the Patriots also need in terms of maintaining national relevance is a star, particularly a star at quarterback, and that's one that they don't have. It's the Brady Farkas Show. On WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Celtics tonight taking on the Charlotte Hornets. That's about an hour and 10 minutes from now. Mike Muscala will play in that game tonight for Boston. And, uh, you know, he's that guy that he got yesterday from uh, Oklahoma, from uh, OKC. And, you know, big man, depth shooter. Kind of reminds me of Danilo Gallinari. Good-looking shot. Watched him play the other night against the Lakers. Hadn't seen him play much before that. He's going to wear number 57. Number 57 is what Mike Muscala will wear for the C. So that game's in, a, again, about an hour and 10 minutes. Bruins will finally play again tomorrow. The Bees will take on Washington. We haven't seen them all week because they were on the bye week after the uh, All-Star break. UVM men's basketball tomorrow night at Patrick Gym. They'll take on UMass Lowell, look to avenge one of their two losses in the league from earlier this year. And then the UVM women are on the road at Lowell tomorrow at 1. I'll be interested to see how the Catamount women come out. Because Emma Utterback joined us yesterday and said, like, we need to maintain the chip on our shoulder. Easier said than done sometimes. Catamount women have won nine consecutive games, right? Nine consecutive games. And they've just vanquished Maine twice. And they've beaten Albany. Can they get up for a UMass Lowell team that's not on those teams' levels? 
Now, they're good enough to beat Lowell. They're good enough to beat them on the road. They should win that game and get a 10-game win streak inside league play. But I've also seen plenty of teams kind of rest on their laurels and slip up. So we'll see what that UVM women's team does. Um, Super Bowl. What do you want to see? What do you not want to see? What would surprise you? 802-585-3026. For me, this is pretty easy. I want to see, obviously, we want to see a close game. I want to see drama down to the wire, right? I don't care who wins, but I want to see a quarterback have to take their team down the field and try to win the game. If Mahomes can do it, then he solidifies a Hall of Fame career. You think it's you think it's hyperbole? It's not hyperbole. If Mahomes wins this game, he's in the super. He's in the Hall of Fame. Two Super Bowl titles, two MVPs. That's that's a Hall of Fame career. He cements it. I want to see him have to go down the field and try to cement that legacy. Or I could see Jalen Hurts have to do it. A guy trying to vanquish that legacy. A guy trying to hold off the anointing of Mahomes. A guy trying to make himself even more money. A guy trying to, you know, bring football relevance back to Philly again for the second time within five years. A guy who can prove his doubters wrong, right? Alabama who moved on from him. The Heisman Committee that didn't pick him. The teams that passed on him in the first round. It would be a great story if Hurts won too. I want to see this game come down to the wire and one of the quarterbacks have it in their hands with a chance to win. That's what I want. What I don't want to see is a blowout, right? Blowouts would not be good for anybody. I don't want to see anybody win this game by two touchdowns. If this game is, you know, 20 to 6, 34 to 20, I don't have that much interest in it. I'm thinking of blowout Super Bowls in my life. Seattle over Denver, 43 to 8. Yeah, it made me happy, but how many of you did stay stuck around to watch the whole thing? Not many. That's not compelling. Denver over Atlanta in the 90s. That's not compelling. That was a blowout. Might have been 34-17 or something. If not for a Tim Dwight kickoff return, it would have been even worse. You know, we we want the close games at the end, right? Santonio Holmes catching the touchdown from Ben Roethlisberger, Arizona, Pittsburgh. Titans stopped at the one-yard line, Rams-Titans. Patriots-Seahawks, Malcolm Butler. We want a chance for a game-defining play for a legacy-defining play. That's what I'm looking for here. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Keys to the game. Really, the biggest key to the game for me is the Chiefs at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. How the Chiefs line offensively protects Patrick Mahomes. Now, Mahomes is good, right? He's probably 85% at this point, but he's not 100%. The Eagles have the ability to make your life really difficult up front. If Mahomes can get time to throw and isn't under constant duress and can set his feet as best he can, then he's got a chance, obviously, to pick them apart. If the Chiefs' line can give him time, he's got a chance to pick them apart. Defensively, I love what Joe Valerio, the old Chiefs player, told us earlier in the week. Defensively, what the Chiefs do at the line of scrimmage is going to be huge as well. You want to get Jalen Hurts uncomfortable, but you can't get so far upfield that you run past him. This would be the worst-case scenario for Kansas City. They're trying to get pressure. They all go wide. 
they get Jalen Hurts then steps up in front of them and just takes off. That's what you can't have if you're Kansas City. You've got to find a way to get pressure on Hurts without losing containment. Because if you lose containment and you run past him, as we've seen happen, you know, to the Patriots when they play Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, if you do that, then Hurts just steps up and he runs for eight yards here and 10 yards there, and then you send the linebacker to go get him and he throws it off on the run and there's eight, 10 yards more, and now there's less people there to tackle. That's what Kansas – the key to the game for me is Kansas City at the line on both sides of the ball, right, both sides of the ball. I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win. I'm in the minority. I can't pick against Mahomes. After all the years of watching Brady and saying, I can't pick against this guy, I'm bringing the same attitude to Mahomes. I can't pick against this guy. The Eagles are healthier. The Eagles are deeper. The Eagles have everybody intact. They they are the favorite for a reason. But I can't pick against the best quarterback in the league. I'm not going to. Even without Nicole Hardman, even with, you know, some banged up in the secondary for Kansas City, I'm going with the Chiefs, and I'm going 27-23. And ironically enough, the under is 51, so I would go under, but I'd be under by a point. I'd be sweating that one out, so I want no part of betting the under there. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I really enjoyed all of, all of our Radio Row at Home conversations this week. Some of them were related to football. Some of them weren't, but we brought as many good, locally relevant names as we could to you, from Ross Tucker, the former Patriots offensive lineman, to Ryan Rossillo of The Ringer, the UVM product, talking a little basketball with us uh, on Wednesday. Bill Courier, the former UVM baseball coach, the last coach in the history of the program. Emma Utterback yesterday, UVM women's basketball star. We were kind of all over the place this week, and we had a lot of fun bringing you coverage from everything here as, uh, you know, we counted down to the Super Bowl, but, you know, we gave you our little taste of Radio Row at home. Norwich Hockey is going to come up next. The cadets are taking on Hobart out in Geneva. This is a battle where first place is on the line in the New England Hockey Conference, and our guy Craig Durham is rinkside right now from the press box at Hobart, and he's going to get the reins to this broadcast momentarily. But, uh, Craig, how are you? I'm doing good, Brady. How are you? I'm doing well as well. You got a Super Bowl prediction for the weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm going uh, opposite you. I'm going Eagles in the over, but I think it's going to be a great game. All right. Well, certainly hope so. It sounds like the uh, excitement is building there at, uh, <laughs> at Hobart for this potential uh, first-place matchup. Yeah, you know, they must have known we were about to go on the radio because they just cranked the music up about five levels. <laughs> but um, there really is a, a lot of buzz here around this game. I mean, Hobart has not lost at home this year, 13-0 at home. And they're just blowing people out at this building. Some coaches think it's the toughest to play in in the league. So they're rightly excited to be hosting this big game tonight. Now, talk to me about where you think Norwich is at right now. Because, look, they've got a chance to finish first in the conference and get home ice advantage throughout the NEHC playoffs. But how complete is their resume at this point, you think? You know, I think their resume is as complete as anybody in Division Three college hockey. I was just spending some time looking at the polls and at the pairwise rankings. And one thing that stands out to me is that Norwich has played more elite competition than pretty much anybody else in D3 hockey. And I think that's huge when you get to this point in the season. I mean, just looking at the top 15 teams, Norwich has played a, a handful. I think that's five teams in the top 15. 
and have a winning record four and two against them. So you just can't find any other teams with resumes in in my search at least as complete as Norwich. And I think that's huge when you get to playoff season starting next week. You know, I guess in theory, Norwich could lose three games in a row, right? They could lose today, they could lose tomorrow, they could lose the first round of their of their conference tournament. That's obviously very, very unlikely. But would you say that Norwich is a lock for the NCAA tournament no matter what happens? Uh, you know, that would be really tough to say if that scenario unfolds. If they were to lose three in a row, that would put that in jeopardy. But if they uh, if they win at least one of the next three games, and we know that there will be at least three, I think this team has to be a lock for the tournament given their, their body of work this year and the success they've had. How important do you think finishing in first and getting home ice throughout the uh, NEHC playoffs would be? Big deal or not really? Well, I think uh, maybe some year, I'm not, I guess I can't speak to the big picture, but this year I think it's a big deal for the simple reason that you don't want to come back here and have to play Hobart on the road twice in the span of three weeks or four weeks because, like I said, this team just doesn't lose here. It's a really long way away. I mean, it's a full six-hour drive. So the team does like to go on the road. They play well on the road, but it's a pretty arduous trip and, again, a really unforgiving place to play. So I think for no other reason than you don't want to come back here. And, of course, there's no guarantee that Hobart's going to be there at the end, but if they are, you just don't want to have to come back here and beat this team. I know you're going to give us the lines here in just a matter of moments when the pregame show officially starts, but uh, what do we know about the health of the Norwich goaltending situation? Cam Ellsworth. You know, told us that Drennan Atherton is improving. He played last weekend against Babson. I got to imagine he's going to get into a game at least this weekend to get ready for the playoffs. Do we know who's in net tonight? We do, actually, and it is going to be Drennan Atherton tonight, a 13-3 record, a 1-3-2 goals against. He's been, I think you could argue, the best or second-best goaltender in the league this year. So he'll go tonight, and I think the results tonight will go a long way towards determining who plays tomorrow in the regular season finale. Norwich Hockey, the pregame show is five minutes away, 6.35 with our coverage. The face-off and puck drop from Geneva, New York, is at 7 o'clock tonight, and the cadets will take on Elmira tomorrow. We'll have that game for you as well. Craig Durham is on the call. Craig, put the uh, put the big headphones on here and drown yourself out from that uh, loud warm-up music, and uh, we'll see you here on the other side of this commercial break. Sounds great, Brady. We should do this more often. Thanks. Yeah, we should do it more often. It only took us 25 games to figure it all out. 6.30 is the time. Cadets hockey is next. Go Wick, or roll Wick, as they say. Have a great Super Bowl weekend, everybody. Pizza and wings always for the win. I'll see you on Monday, everybody, on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV.